What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. As always, I'm your boy, James Jackson, Jimmy J, young gentleman. I go by everything and the above. My guys, Kyle Sirik, Stat Matt Robinson, no Jake Galley again. He's been battling some some health concerns. Not gonna give out all his information, but like everyone who's listening, just like give a nice little, you know, well wishes and, and a little prayer if you pray at night. You know, add Jake in there, man. Our, our guy's been going through it a little bit lately, y'all. Like in you know what I mean? Like on the on the sideline trying to battle back, but you know, we're we're with them, but we got the show must go on. And the show in the NBA, the show is the NBA for right now. That brings us to the fact straight at you. The Nets are in first place in the Eastern Conference for the first time since 2003. That's a minimum of 10 games played. That's when they won their second consecutive Eastern Conference title. So that leads us to the question. I mean, the, the Nets are the talk of the town. And it's funny because all these moves have happened in between episodes for us. So like we haven't talked about the nets. It's weird. And we definitely haven't talked about them with this stacked lineup. And it's a question. How super is the net super team? Like, like, like how stacked is this deck? People are saying it's on paper. This is the, the best roster of all time. The most talented roster of all time. Do y'all believe that? Do the facts say that? I think talent all wise, time, that's, that's a little much. I don't know Matt, if you're just speaking talent-wise. I don't know, I mean, man. You go down that list, it's pretty tough. I was actually, you know, every su- subsequent pickup, I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. Sixers are still the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Harden trade didn't matter to me. I mean, it matters in different ways. I still think the Sixers are the best. And then Blake Griffin comes in. I was like, irrelevant. And then they get LaMarcus Aldridge. And he's old, but he's not old like people think he's old. No. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge is like five seasons removed of putting up like 40-point games. And, like, I, I'm a little scared now that they got LaMarcus Aldridge, and we haven't even seen this team play at strength. KD's played, what, one out of the last 20 games? I mean, talented team of all time, I don't know. I'd have to go through the teams, but it's up there. But I'm I'm scared. This is a super, super team. I mean, it's it's, it's the, the quote is on paper, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. You're talking about guys, maybe not LaMarcus Aldridge, but at least in Blake Griffin, you were talking about five years being removed. How about, like, two years removed from dropping 40, yeah. 50-point games? And now he's no longer the best player on his team. He's the fourth or fifth option sometimes, which is nuts, which is, you know, that, that quick of a turnaround. And he's screaming and yelling to the bench, I still got it, I still got it, like, for, to be a fourth option on offense on a title contending team, I believe he still has that. I believe LaMarcus Aldridge still has that. And when you combine it with three of the best scores, if not the top three scores, pure scores in the NBA, then that's like on, on paper, Matt, I know you're like scoffing at it, but that's like, I, I don't no, know, name me, name me a roster, just a roster I, on paper like that. I, name me one I, all the time. I, I have, it's really funny. I have like an inverse take, but I have the same take. I think they're, unbelievably good and so hard to beat but i think the griffin and aldridge acquisitions are just like a little sprinkles it's nothing more than like sprinkles on top of a sunday it's nothing that special it's nice to have but you wouldn't really notice it if you wouldn't complain if they weren't there i think griffin and aldridge are like you said fourth option i think they're like seventh options i i uh, would actually because I, I joe I harris joe harris griffin. is there even yeah, like someone I like think, bruce brown looking at it i'm looking at it more than Jeff just scoring like LaMarcus Aldridge comes in and his first game has what 17 and 11 or something like that. Like they didn't have someone down though who could gobble up rebounds like that before to go along with everybody bringing everything at a all-star all NBA level on their team. Like every facet of the game someone maybe besides defense, someone does it at an all-star all NBA level. That is yeah. an absolutely stacked team, man. No team of all time. 
I agree with Matt. Blake Griffin doesn't mean too much. He's not even playing 20 minutes a game on the Nets, or I think it's like just about 20. But LaMarcus Aldridge came in, he's played one game. He played 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. and he was playing 25, 26 in San Antonio before he left. I mean, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is a serious pickup. You have an argument that Joe Harris is their fourth option, but I'm not putting him further than fifth. Mm. I I mean, I I think LaMarcus But he's been so... You could say it's always been on a team that, like, he's not really happy with anymore. But, like, the Spurs are still, like, a team that's hunting for the playoffs. It's not like they're, like, Detroit, like Blake Griffin was on. And he was just really poor. He lowest points per game of his career since his rookie year, only 13.6 points per game. And only 4.7 rebounds per game, which is wild. It's all about perspective. And Go he ahead. had a I'll negative let you finish, but it's all about perspective because give me those numbers on the Nets right now, and that's your fourth best player putting up 13 and 13 and four. And it's Marcus It's gonna be better than that. Like, like he had a negative box plus minus, which means the the Spurs were better when Aldridge was on the bench compared to when he started. Because yeah. he has to pull the bulk of the weight. Like, like He's the, he's looked to be not the first best, but the second best, third best player on the Spurs. Look to to pull major weight. So when when he pulls in a thirteen and, and four game, no, it doesn't move the Spurs that much because no one else is giving that much better than him on the Nets. There is going to be four or five, four or three players that are in you know giving up better stats on a nightly basis than that. Okay, here, that here's weight. my take. The Sixers improved with their trade deadline acquisition more than no, the Nets improved. With absolutely, theirs. absolutely not. George Hill, is the, George Hill is absolutely the you're, best you're player talking between, about, you're talking about. between Aldridge and Blake Griffin. No, Matt, come on, man. Come on, I man. disagree because – and I think it's close. I see where Matt's coming from. Um, it's not that That take doesn't, like, blow me away. But getting LaMarcus Aldridge now means that you have someone that can actually, like – no one can stop Joel Embiid, but you have someone to actually put there now. That right, DeAndre it's Jordan. Another body that it. can eat up fouls. That's what Lamarcus. Yeah, Aldridge. but then I mean, that's so like, disrespectful to Lamarcus Aldridge. He's not you're... just a body to eat up fouls, man. Like you're like, and, and this is I get it. Y'all, y'all are Sixers fans, Kyle. You're being, no, no, no. you're being more objective than Matt is. You're no, not no, like, than Matt. No. I, I think the Nets are better than the Sixers just because Harden, Kyrie, and KD is like un, it's just unfair. Just have think, all three of them and you're together. Adding two more pieces to the already I, no, unfairness. Matt, I think you're too low on Aldridge. I mean, you looked at this season, but that was 20 games. I mean, last season he was 19 points a game, seven and a half rebounds. And that was one season ago. Like, I think Aldridge is a legitimate pickup and fills a huge need, which was a big man. I mean, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan are past where they're at um, five years ago. Aldridge is like in that timeline, but not to his like peak yet. He's not washed out yet. I think Aldridge is actually like, good still and it does scare me with that pickup when none of the other ones did number four number four on an offense number five sometimes on an offense it's 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 i don't know i i i think this is how matt sleeps at night i really do but no, no, I, I, think, I do think i think i really want the one seed just because we're so good at home and i don't have to face milwaukee i really do think the nets if they face like if, if i'm being objective they beat the sixers in six games um if if they play and that's just because KD, Harden, and Kyrie, is it's just uh, like they're 19-3 and three in their last 22 games, and KD has played one of them. Yeah. And Harden's almost averaging a triple-double over that span at 27-5, and 27-5, and 9.5, and 10.9. And he's like almost getting back in the MVP race after he was sleepwalking through like a dozen games in mm-hmm. Houston, which shows how good he's been. And then you have Kyrie, who's having the best season of his career, averaging the most points while also being the most efficient he's ever been. 
And I love the Sixers defenders. I love Thibel. I love Simmons. I love Embiid. But you, you can't defend all three of them at once. You have that's one of them. You have to have to put Danny Green on. Take and, your chances. I, I hey, I'm still taking it's, the Sixers. I'm not getting off the bandwagon. I think what these deals do mean for the Nets is they still have that glaring hole, which is defense. They didn't patch that up. And now, you know, it's a more likely in my head they can score 135 points and win that game mm-hmm. where, you know, two months ago I was like, oh, this team can't play defense. They, well, they don't have to be They might not defense. need to right, much anymore, saying. but I'm still taking the Sixers in the matchup because, hey, to me, that's the best defensive team in the league, the Sixers are. Yeah. With two of the best defenders in the but league. that's the best and- offensive team in the league. A defense wins championships, baby. I'm sticking to it. I, I, I hear you, but the, the Nets don't have to be good on defense. They have to be good yeah. enough. They have to no, be- but they, they, they're like 19th in defense now, which is absolutely which is, good which enough. Which is average, which is where, where they need to be. Absolutely. No, oh, this is, this is unfair. This is disrespectful to the Lakers. I'm looking up the NBA futures. The Nets are the odds-on favorite to win the chip. I mean, the yeah. Lakers' two superstars are out. Like, are they, you know what I mean? No, but they'll come back. LeBron will come back. Right, but as as it stands right now, the net the Nets are the Nets are plus two forty. The Sixers are plus eleven hundred. I think so the Jazz are still it. getting. I think hammer it. I think Sixers eleven to one odds, baby. I think the, the Jazz, Jazz at eight eight to one is a dumb bet. That's the yeah. Clippers yeah. at five and a half to one is dumb, but we'll get to the Clippers. We'll get. Well, I mean, we'll, let's get to them right now because I think we we patched up all the all the Nets argument. Unless y'all really think that, you know, this is not a I'll, lot of what you said, Matt, isn't sitting right with me. To be honest, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll answer the question: How super is the Nets super team? It's it's like run of the mill super team. It's like run of the mill super team. What does that mean? like? What does that mean? So like. <laughs> The Heat, when they won with Wade, Bosch, and LeBron, they were very good, and I think they're in that class. The 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 Celtics when they had KG. What about Pierce the Warriors? And, what about the Warriors? Warriors, the Warriors? It's weird because they were oh with KD. Yeah, that that's the elite. That's the top when they had KD. It's well, like here's, untouchable. Here's what I noticed. That's what what KD has done, and I don't think it's a coincidence that. He went to the Warriors with a, with a stacked deck and a super team, won a championship, and now is on the on the Nets with a stacked team and a, a super team, and is about to go, you know, contend for a championship. What everyone's eyes most likely win a championship. Like I think these these are guys who have realized that it's like a band of brothers who realize that like, I can't do this alone, and I can't like I can't be almost the best player on my team. Like I need another James Harden on my team. I need another Kyrie Irving on my team. I need multiple on my team. I need as many good pieces as I possibly can to go win a championship. Like I, yeah, and I think Katie you know has why, manifested both of them. Do, do, do you know why all these players went to the nets? Why? Why Katie went to the nets? Why Harden wanted to go to somewhere like Brooklyn or in the East? They can't win. I mean, they can't win on their own. It's because they wanted to avoid LeBron. <laughs> when LeBron's in the East, all the stars move West. When yeah. LeBron goes West, all the stars move East. I don't know. It it's, it's not. To, I, it may be to avoid LeBron. I think them being in the Eastern Conference is almost a little bit of a coincidence. But it's it's to prepare themselves for LeBron. It's it's LeBron and anybody else. Like if if we have, we're giving us ourselves the best opportunity to win because we're just gonna have the most best players. And yeah, I think Katie and- has done it both times. With the super team argument, and you say how like the Warriors are that elite level, well, they are, but a little bit of it is like hindsight bias. They won what three chips, mm-hmm. and you look at them talent wise. I see a lot of the same talent, but the league wasn't ready for that then. 
that like the rest of the league was not even close to that level and the Warriors had the option to steamroll it. And they were going to steamroll it. The start of every season, you kind of just knew LeBron was going to have one shot and that was it. The rest of the league was done. Right. With this team, I feel like it's a different standard now. I think the talent-wise, the on better. paper, I think this team can very much stack up with that Warriors team in terms of super team. But I think the league is just so different now to where that doesn't mean they're going to steamroll a championship. No, I mean, yeah, they've they've teams also almost know how to not know how to, but are, are prepared to defend super teams. Like they've yeah, done it when once the Warriors before, it's not came in. Them. It was people were screaming, this is unfair. This is blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, can this team beat LeBron? That, that wasn't the Warriors <laughs> argument. It was opposite. It was like, can LeBron, LeBron beat them the Warriors, this year? Right. And they got him once. But I think now it's, can this team beat LeBron? I, I think it's a different league. It's a different perspective to look through. But I think on paper, this team is better, if not the same as that Warriors team. Talent That's wise. disrespectful of that Warriors. That Warriors talent. team. No, it's not. Mean, How is it disrespectful? There's there two MVPs seven, on this team. The, the There's two MVPs team. on this team. The 2016, there were two MVPs on that Warriors team. That's too. right. Right. So it's yeah, but, saying they're comparable. <laughs> okay, but and then KD, you could go like KD Clay and Kyrie, Lamarcus and We don't really know what he is. He's not the same defender. And you and Draymond is the four is way better than what um, the Nets have at number at their fourth option. But and Iguodala and that. The 2016-17 Warriors are the greatest team ever, and I really don't think it's that close. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and that, yeah that, that's fine. But I think this team is close. But it's also on paper. Like, but you're, you're, you're talking, you're you're talking about on court now. Now, now you're yeah. bringing it to on court. Like, the, yeah, we were talking about the talent. We were talking about this, the talent team. on paper. They, you know, you need names and stats. It's very, very comparable to that 2016-2017. Oh, then you, it could be like an 0-4 Lakers thing where they have Karl Malone, Shaq, Kobe, Gary Payton, and then they still lose in the finals kind of thing. Hopefully the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm with that. Or is is or so so you're saying like Carl Malone and the Lakers is like LA on the on the Nets. That's what you're saying. Carl Malone, right Malone was better on the Lakers than Lamarcus Aldridge was last year. So I don't know about that. Carl Malone before he got hurt, the Lakers win the chip if Carl Malone doesn't get hurt. But that's a that's a, all, that's a, all their all their that's a whole, yeah. maybe uh, maybe I just don't have anything uh, to contend about it. We talked to him about him a little bit earlier. We got to move on. <laughs> we talked about talked about them a little bit earlier. Matt brought them up. I'm going to swing it back to him. Kyle said something in our group chat that really made me laugh. He called this team the most boring team in terms of stats in the league. Yet they're third in the Western Conference, obviously about to contend for a title. The Los Angeles Clippers, led by Kawhi Leonard, eight and four since the All Star break, doing all the winning things. Number one in three point percentage, number one in free throw percentage, fourth least turnovers. In the league, it's funny they still play like a Doc Rivers team, but Doc Rivers isn't there anymore. But <laughs> yeah, right. Obviously, the biggest improvement is Paul George, or the biggest biggest bounce back is Paul George. But are we surprised that the Clippers are are here? Is this you, you Kyle? You called them boring. Like, are they boring yeah. just because this is what we expect and they're not doing anything out of expectation? Like, why? Why are well, they boring? boring? The boring part is the fact that, you know, I'm sure Matt does it too on basketball reference to just get the stats for the script. And you want something that stands out. Mm -hmm. Nothing stands out. But then you look at the players on the team and you're like, yeah, they should be winning. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it's like they got two guys averaging over 20 points. They're Kawhi's like 26, like nothing crazy. But then you look at uh, and you've said it. They do the winning teams. If you're or the winning things, if you're a coach of a basketball team, every coach, any level. What do you do? You free throws and you don't turn the ball over. That's what every coach preaches. And if you turn the ball over too much, you're shooting free throws in practice for it or running. Right. And I mean, it, it's not surprising to me that they're sitting third. Maybe it's even more surprising that they're not sitting one or two 
than it would than it is that they're not lower to me. That's just yeah. I, I agree with the boring take. They have the most boring record at thirty two and eighteen. That's nothing like that's exactly expectations. Yeah, and yeah. their their hot streak is going eight and four, which is like that's it almost that's, looks, just, that, that's not even like a hot streak. There's just oh, they're playing good basketball in a in a in a year in a league year where a lot of teams are on this roller coaster ride of hot you know hot start then then you know, hit a rough patch or vice versa. The Clippers have just been steady. They haven't been blowing anybody out of the water from, from the start of the season. And they haven't been really below expectations like a Mavericks or a Nuggets. They've been in this three, four spot the entire time. And I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm not sure if it's a good thing. I'm not sure if it's a bad thing because I'm really not looking at players like Kawhi and Paul George for the regular season numbers. I mean, Paul George, by the way, is having the best shooting season of his career. 47% from the field, 42 from three-point range. That's both career highs. And this is a guy who at one point was first or second in the league in three-point percentage. So for that to go up is huge. And we talked about, you know, I mentioned it earlier, he's one of the biggest reasons why they're in that third spot. He's had a huge bounce, bounce back. But when I look at players like Kawhi, Paul George, Dame Lowe is now in that category. James Harden's in that category. Joel Embiid's in that category. A, a little bit less because he's about to win an MVP. Your regular season stats aren't meaning as much to me anymore. Like, especially if they're not eye gouging, if they're not winning MVPs. Kawhi's 25, Paul George is 42 from three. While it's good and it's got you third in the Western Conference, and then, you know, I, I give you that, that props. I don't forget that you blew a 3-1 lead in the playoffs <laughs> last year. Like, this is, this is it's, it's for me, playoff time. And, and... For the Clippers, you have a lot of people on the, on the Clippers. Paul George mainly. Kawhi's got the the championships and the Finals MVPs. But for for Paul George, like claps to you for the regular season, but I need to see it come playoff time. And yeah, it's like I mean, Dame Giannis, Dame Lil, like it's that's uh, a lot of those players are in that category for me. Yeah, I agree, and I think you would probably agree with this. Uh, you're making a little different point, but this team is just their makeup. Who plays? It's just vets. Yeah. They understand the league. They've been here. They've been on winning teams. They've been on losing teams. I mean, you go down the board. Kawhi, Paul George, Serge Ibaka. They have Rondo now. Uh, Nick Batum's played everywhere. Marcus Morris has been in the league for years. Everybody. Down the list. Batum I mean, it's just is, made up is of having an incredible bounce back year. He was hearted from the time he got that contract in Charlotte. Yeah. And, he's, and he's shooting 42% from three. Like, if you go just his Charlotte years... He shot 34.8% from three, including 28% last year. And he's up to 42.3%. He's actually he's finally happy to play on a winning team for the first time since he was in Portland. And he's actually trying on defense, and he's doing what you'd expect Nicholas Batum yeah. to do, which is average eight points per game on efficient shooting while playing solid defense. Yeah, while playing the third most minutes on the team. <laughs> and you talk about three-point shooting. like They have every single player in their rotation – except for Rondo, who hasn't played a game yet, can shoot threes well. Like, everyone's at least decent at it. It's There isn't one non-three-point shooter on the team. Like, yeah. Ibaka shoots 35% from three. It's it's nuts. No matter where they go, they can kick it kick it out to someone, and they'll have a good shot at making the three. Look, which well, is, most regular which season is, Rondo may not be good from three. Yeah, but playoff, playoff Rondo, right? Rondo yeah. some threes. It's a big threes. Man. But the most interesting thing about this team for me is they're the second oldest team in the league. Um, behind the Lakers, but I make an argument that they're actually the oldest. You look at the players that get minutes on their team, they have nine guys that get 20-plus minutes. 
One of them's Lou Will, but you assume Rondo's going to move right into there. Who's the same age as Lou Will? But the ninth guy is Zubac, who's 23. And after that, the oldest, the youngest player is Kawhi Leonard, getting over 20 minutes. The youngest player out of anyone on that team besides Zubac who gets 20 minutes is Kawhi Leonard. And that's eight guys that just, I don't, I mean, maybe it's back to my point that they just have guys that know how to play basketball. But that, like, having that makeup is insane to me. And that's why I think this team would work in the playoffs. I quickly like to apologize to Rajon Rondo. He's shooting 37.8% from three this year. So even he's doing volumes down. Volumes. He's been out of a lot of games. Volume is down. 40% in the playoffs last year for the Lakers. That's most important. That's That's most most important. important. 100%. Wait, hold on. My 30. My 30, real quick. Can Can we talk about? I need to go off on a side tangent. Can we talk about raising the standard for what is good three-point shooting now in the NBA? If you shoot below, I mean, league average used to be, what, 33%, some, something around there? League average is, like, I used to think of it as 35. It's probably now around, like, 37, 38. If, if not 38 yeah. touching four, most players get around that 40% range from three. So when you're talking about, like, when you say Rondo shooting 37% from three, that's that's not that good anymore, to be honest. Like it's such a three point shooting league that that's not for a guard. That's not that good anymore. That's still well for like, for a guard, yeah, yeah, for yeah, a guard. But, can, but that doesn't make me co- like respect Rondo from three anymore. League, av- league average from three this year is thirty six point seven percent. Like that, that's still around thirty seven. Yeah. I guess you have people way down, you know, dragging that, you know, right. uh, percentage down. But I like agree Russ. with you somewhat. I agree with you somewhat. Um, but I do think volume you have to think about. Like Kawhi shooting thirty eight point seven percent from three, but I want Kawhi with the ball shooting the three at the end because he's taking so many threes a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I think there are guys that you can still respect from three. I respect Kawhi from three, especially when it matters. 100%. So, if, but if you are like you know just a rotational guy, you're taking three threes a game, then yeah, if you're not shooting forty percent, you're not a good three point shooter to me. I don't know for me, and I guess it's more of. Am I afraid of Kawhi's three-point shot? No. Am I afraid afraid of Kawhi Leonard hitting a big bucket? Yes. Like wh- whether it's from three or not, that's just a a clutch shot from Kawhi. He's always going to command my respect. But I just think an opposing coach, you don't want Kawhi to get any clean look from three. I mean, you don't want any player to get a clean look, but any shot that Kawhi goes up that has a shot to go in from three, right? And it's not like he's like bricks him all the time, right? Right. Okay. Side side tangent over my my thirty over. We we can get back to business because. The Clippers also made an addition, well, I guess a trade, but adding Rajon Rondo, you know, subtracting Lou Will from their roster. They get that, you know, floor general point guard, the half-court point guard that Kawhi wanted in the offseason. He wanted the Clippers to make a run at Chris Paul. They didn't. And so he gets Rajon Rondo on his team now. What does Rondo bring to the Clippers? Because I personally think he can play the exact same role for the Clippers as he did last year for the Lakers and help the Clippers so win the title. I think so too. And those... I agree. I talked about on a podcast might've been last week, how bad Lou Will's been in the playoffs. Yeah. And Rondo is experienced. He's playoff Rondo. So yeah. And if you talk about that big role, upgrade which, for the postseason, which they, which I agree with you, James, with that role, you look at his Lakers stats last year in the playoffs, 25 minutes per game, nine points, 6.6 assists, four rebounds, a steal and a half, 45% and 40 from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, a huge rotational guy for the playoffs that you can rely on. The thing with Rondo for me is this Clippers team, how they play changes now when Rondo's on the floor. Your top two assist guys, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. It's going to be Rondo. They don't use their point guard like point guards. If you look at their usage rates, 
Reggie Jackson's at 19.5%. That's sixth on the team. And Patrick Beverly, who hasn't played much of recent, but was their point guard before injury, is the second lowest usage rate on the entire team. Only Batum is behind him. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I wasn't very high on this Rondo trade, but then when I'm looking at it, I'm a lot more high on it, especially when you talk about Lou Will in the playoffs and how it doesn't really matter losing him. I, I, I'm interested to see how this team plays now. That that usage rate, like Kawhi, Kawhi wants his point guard. I, I'm imagining Kawhi wants his point guard to be one of the highest on the team in the usage rate. Like yeah, it, that's the more usage. And with Rondo, how is he not going to be? That's your facilitator. The guy who has the ball in his hand most of the time, majority of times, your facilitator. If he commands it, though, that's that's what Kawhi wants is the facilita- the facilitator of the offense. So. That usage rate's gonna skyrocket when when Rondo gets there. But I definitely think, you know, he could he could come off just hit big shots. I mean, he could have games like he did last year in the playoffs where he scores zero points, but has you know ten assists and, and twelve boards and a couple of steals, and that will help the Clippers. Like I, that's I think that's what they exactly what they need. It's it's perfect for him. Facts, and we still might see Paul George with the ball in his hands a lot, but just having that extra piece there that you couldn't rely on for. Reggie Jackson to be or Pat Bev is going to be huge. And Rondo plays defense, which fits right into this team. Mm-hmm. You play defense. I think they have the third highest defensive rating or no, they have third highest offensive, but they're like still a top defensive team. I mean, it's it's going to work out. I mean, a, a Kawhi Leonard team and Paul George team are always going to be tops in defense. Yeah. Do we, we give them more than a significant chance to beat the Lakers? Like, do we give them an, an actual chance to contend for a title? Because I do. Kawhi's the only one on that team that has cachet to overset the the blown three one lead last year. Like to me, yeah, that, well, that does a lot to them. To, I mean, I think so because one, I had the Clippers over Lakers. I like to hate on LeBron though. Last year, we never you got to saw the matchup. Both y'all be haters. We never saw the matchup, but we also had pandemic P in the playoffs. If he could play actual basketball, if he looks like his actual self, which you you mentioned how good of a season he's having, I, I think I give him a shot. I give him the second best shot behind the Lakers to win the West. Who's got, okay, whoa, whoa, random question. Who's got more to prove in the playoffs this season, Paul George or Giannis? Coming into the playoffs this season, who's got more to prove? Who's got a, a more nervous? Giannis. Giannis. Giannis is a, on a regular, as a regular season player, like he's on pace to be like top 15 all time. And his playoff debacles the last two seasons have been cataclysmic disasters. Like People Horrible. don't, Everyone, the Clippers took a lot of heat away from the Bucks. The Bucks were like fifty-two and five at one point. And they lose to like a five-seed Heat in five games. And Giannis, again, I thought the Raptors series two years ago, so I was first playoff run. He'll get it back. And then last year, that it's unconscionable how badly that was a collapse. And Paul George, he's he's just like a he's just a very good player. He's not like. People, you're going to be telling your grandkids uh, about Paul George. Paul George was an MVP candidate not too long ago. They he more, was more third than... in MVP voting, but he was never like no one considered him the third. Paul best George player is a superstar. Top three MVP voting, like that's that's superstar. I guess Giannis is different, but yeah, I mean back to back MVPs. Giannis with no playoff performance to show about it. I mean, both got I, bounced in the same round. I'm literally not even thinking about the Bucks because. The past two years, I just see what Giannis has done, but, and I'm like, but, but he doesn't I have, have that it feeling in the about the Clippers because of last year. Like, what's worse, losing in five or blowing a three-one lead? Like, they, there's a lot of fine lines that we're talking about here. That losing in five to the, the Heat, losing in five to the Heat, 
Yeah. And I'll take the dude that won the title two it's years the ago. Nuggets. I mean, no, I get the, the Nuggets. The, the, Clip, the Clippers just he more ended like up going to the finals. Like, like they they blew through and lead to the Nuggets. The the Clippers the Clippers was more dramatic because they had like a fifteen point lead in the second half of all three of those games. So it was more. It's way more of a tightening and tense situations. Giannis, it was oh when we play a series against players my skill goes completely down. Like when you, if you play a regular season game, you play teams one game, then you play another team three days later. And then it's, but when you're in a series, teams know how to block up Giannis and block up the Bucks. And it's more of a structural problem with Giannis where it's his game makes it really difficult for him to excel in postseason series. Paul George, it was more like a pressure gets to the best of him. So it's almost two different, ways like they fail and uh, and it, it it's almost hard to compare that's that's a good point i think it's two separate problems but i, I mean i think the, the question can still be answered who's under more pressure i do think it's Giannis from the sole fact that he's a two-time mvp and paul george hasn't won an mvp if paul george had at least one mvp it, it might be paul george to be honest but um like you bring up the point that it's it's different types of collapses. Giannis, it's a how he plays and his style of play in the playoffs doesn't translate. For Paul George, it's just like the the lights get too bright for you. Like it's it's not a he it's shot not, a it's, ball it's off how the side you, of the backboard. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's a you got the yips. You just got too nervous. Like Giannis doesn't get too nervous. Giannis tries his ass off and and puts himself in the big moments. It's just how he plays doesn't translate to the playoffs. Paul George's does. He just that's that's what I'm saying. Like Paul Paul George has to prove to me that that you can still be the same person, the same tenacious player from regular season to playoffs. Like he almost has more to prove from that standpoint than Giannis does going in. But an MVP, I guess, has more to prove that he can't get crapped out in the second round. I mean, back to back MVP best player on his team. Paul George is the second best player. I mean, I think it's definitely Giannis, and I agree with Matt. I don't think his game translates to the playoffs and he's been trying to like shoot but if you watch a bucks game and watch Giannis shoots threes like he banks them when he makes them <laughs> he banks it in and he airballs and he bricks and it, it's going to be tough he's for Giannis the, if he he's, can't the, shoot. he's the 2012 ryan howard of shooting threes like it's it's either all net or it's an airball off the backboard is or it's ugly <laughs> for sure yeah um all right from pro to college because uh the final four for the men's is all is this saturday we haven't even get to the women's but to the men's is this Saturday, Baylor versus Houston, Gonzaga versus UCLA. Baylor versus Houston's at 514. Gonzaga versus UCLA is 835. Real quick for a quick March Magnus segment, who you got in these games? Yeah, um, well, I put in the eight, uh, the 514 because it's such a random time. Mm-hmm. And I actually messed up. The other one's at 834, I believe. So I just wanted to throw the times in there. It's weird. Like, why do that? Um, I mean, Gonzaga's is a lock. That I mean, that team is so good. I, I mean, they've been so good. I think they're going to be the first undefeated champion since the 80s or however long it's been. 79, yeah. 70s, yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be a crazy game. The Baylor-Houston game, though, watch out for them Houston Cougars, man. I think they are a legit team. I do think Baylor's better simply because both teams are so guard-oriented, and I think Baylor has the better guards. But Baylor play or but Houston plays really good defense. Yeah, and people are like, like, oh, they haven't played a single digit seed the whole tournament. Blah blah blah. Yeah, but these are still every team they did play, they beat well. Yeah, their their worst game was against Rutgers in the first round. That's a good team. That's a good Rutgers team. Don't fake your way to the Final Four. 
You don't figure away this far. I'm gonna take Baylor, Gonzaga, and Gonzaga in the championship. I need it because of my because of my bracket. I, I that Gonzaga team's so good, dude. When your fourth best player is a Yayi. Gonzaga has beat the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, the five seed, the six and eight seeds of the West region by an average of 16.5 points per game. That includes regular season games, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're they're just so dominant. I think they roll to the title. I think they roll UCLA by at least 20, and they beat either <laughs> Baylor or Houston by like at least 10. I, I kind of like, I don't know any, I just, my gut says Houston. I don't know why. I don't have any factual things behind it. I just like my gut says Houston, Houston too. Makes- they they have the scrappiness of a tournament team who gets by. Like like yeah. it's their energy matches their play. Their energy might almost be better than their play. And in, and in such a an emotional tournament like March Madness, that wins you games. Just straight energy wins you games. We've seen it before. I mean, you you got players going to the camera. We say, "Mama, I told you I'm a savage." When I saw that, I was like, "This team might win a national championship." Like that's just tenacity. I like that. And when you talk about Gonzaga, to me, they're a lock. I mean, I have them as my national champion on my bracket. They've, they've been the most dominant team literally from, from start to finish all season. And they're the only team in the NCAA right, right now, in my opinion, that gives you like all American at every levels. Maybe not the deepest team in the league, but in terms of levels from the basket, inside with Drew Timmy and the perimeter with Jalen Suggs and then Corey Kisper everywhere in between. They give you all-American presence, you know, and all-conference presence at every level. And they play with such a pace, like they smother teams. They play with such a pace on the floor that when it gets going, like it's it's literally, it's a freight train. You cannot stop it. I just don't know if UCLA has that in That's them, but the I've been down UCLA this whole tournament, and, and they've been proving a lot of people wrong. Not, they can't be Gonzaga, though, man. I mean, I mean, UCLA is similar to what Gonzaga just saw at USC yeah. um, last round. A team coming in super hot, who everyone's high on, while well, they lost by nineteen. I think it's so like um, it's even so slept on on how well they're dominating these teams. I mean, I watched that Oklahoma game. Oklahoma gave them their best shot. A good team. I think the one kid had like thirty, and they lost by sixteen. Gonzaga gave them a great shot in the first half. Well, they were down ten at half, lost by almost twenty. I mean, I mean, it's how dominant they've been is insane that I don't even think they're getting enough credit for that. Right. Everyone's saying they're so good, but how good they actually are compared to the rest of the tournament is insane to me. I think Gonzaga cruises to it. They haven't even hit a speed bump. I think their, their biggest speed bump in the season was BYU in their, in their conference tournament. Like BYU gave them a yeah. little game. And ever since then, that would, that was like the scare they needed to West Virginia played them tough too. Got to give credit to they, they they did they did <laughs> give credit to your Mountaineers. But back to the Baylor and Houston game. Why I'm hesitant to say Baylor too is Jared Butler. I mean, a won an award finalist, one of the best players in the country on Baylor hasn't had a stellar tournament. Hasn't been shooting the ball well at all. I believe he's like thirty percent. You know, in the mid thirties from the field, high twenties from three. And I I go back and forth with. Is this where we're going to see Jared Butler break out, or he's just not shooting well in the tournament, and Houston take it, takes advantage of that? Because it's hard to get it on track in the Final Four. Like you may be able to turn it on, but at this point, going into you know the Final Four, it, it, this is this might be the performance you have in the tournament. And if Jared Butler doesn't get it on track, yeah. then Houston definitely wins that game over Baylor. But either way, I got Gonzaga. I got Gonzaga winning yeah. the national championship. Monday at nine. Yep. I, I think this 
So do we all have Gonzaga? I think Matt, you said you had him too. Mm-hmm. Do we all have Zaga versus Baylor? No, Matt's Hart said Houston. Yeah, Hart's versus Houston. <laughs> I'm going so to got- Gonzaga versus Houston. I think that would be more. To be honest, I think that might be more entertaining than okay. Gonzaga versus Baylor. Houston, they've really took advantage of the transfer portal. Sixty-one point four percent of their minutes this tournament have been played by transfers. Yo, so. what? What? Talk about. Let's talk about the transfer portal for a second. I've I've never seen players this frequently and this easily transfer schools. I mean, UCLA yeah. is benefiting. Ba- Baylor over John, Johnny Juice. Yeah, Baylor over half transfer. of. What do you yeah, say? Baylor half of their minutes have come from transfers. Like that entire. That's all. Look look at all the teams that made deep runs with transfers. I mean, you had Alabama with Javon Cornelly transferring from Villanova, Johnny Juzay transferring from Kentucky over to UCLA. Like all these, uh, Quentin Grimes transferring from Kansas to Houston. These are all transfers that are bringing these teams to these deep runs. And I mean, Arike Ngumbawale put out a tweet, I think like two days ago, and it said like kids these days, which first of all, she she was in college like three years ago. So it, I don't, she's not like an old man, <laughs> but she's like kids these days are, are too easy to transfer. I remember telling, I remember being upset and telling my parents I wasn't getting enough minutes. And they said, shut up. And that was the end of the story. So is she speaking facts real quick? Like, like should you wait it out Villanova style and to your, you know, junior, senior year or freshman year, you're not getting minutes. You transfer somewhere because Players are kind of proving that they're worth the minutes that they're not getting, and they're taking other teams to the to the Final Four and to deep runs when they get these transfers. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, like, top 100 guys, though. I mean, Javon Quinterly was a big name in college, five-star, right? Five-star recruit coming out of Yeah, out of um, Quentin Grimes was, like, eighth in his class. Yeah. I mean, these big guys, I understand it. I think Mac I McClung, do see your point, though. did it with Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah, and I do see your point with the volume of these transfers. I mean, hey, Pitt basketball just had five kids transfer away, and we suck. And the one somehow is playing at Arkansas next year. It doesn't make sense for me. But I think the volume of these transfers, there, there is, you know, some truth to what she's saying. But People, are, you, people are desperate to get the golden ticket that is an NBA roster spot because that's yep. a lot of money. And so if they'll, do, they'll move make around sense. All, all around to get their chance at that. But there are yeah. players that are, play that are doing six it that years. don't need to. Like Adam Adam Miller just entered entered the transfer portal from Illinois. I don't think he needed to do that. <laughs> I, first of all, Adam Miller might have been able to declare. Adam Miller might have might have had a, a, some draft stock to him. I'm surprised that he's staying. But like to me, he didn't he didn't need a transfer. Maybe he doesn't think Illinois is going to be that good without Dasumbu and, Co- and Cogburg next year. But like that that's that's I think that's where it you start to say like, hey, there might be too many players doing this because guys are doing it. They may not necessarily need to. Like Illinois is still going to be a prominent yeah. program. That yeah, is. I think the pick guys. One's going to Pepperdine. One's going to Saint Bonaventure. I mean, like, what are you trying to do here? Like, stay at a ACC school and prove to yourself that you're that player. Because if you're that player, you'll get minutes on this pit team. We you, suck. You hurt. You hurt. And me. you'll be you'll you'll play good teams. You, like, I mean, it, I mean, these guys aren't going to the NBA, but I, I don't get it. For a lot of players, I don't get it. You hurt. Huh, Sounds man. like Clemson's pitch to Zion, where it's like. You go to Duke, you'll be another great. If you go to Clemson, you'll be our only great. Yeah, you'll be, you'll yeah. be the best player in Clemson's history. I don't yeah. know, man. Shout out to Luca Garza and Paige uh, Beckers, respectively, AP Players of the Year. The Wooden Award on each side still has yet to be given out, but AP gave out their Player of the Year. Luca Garza from Iowa, who, by the way, is by far the best player in Iowa's history. I didn't know he was Big Time Player of the Year last year, too. So two-time Big Time Player of the Year, all-time leading scorer in Iowa history. 
Um, and then now AP Player of the Year. They already said he's retiring his jersey. Shout out Luca. He was he was dominant all season. And then Paige, we're we're just getting started with Paige Becker. She's got two more years in college to do what she's doing right now uh, before she can go pro. So yeah, shout shout I, out. I think both of them were just like clear cut on winners. all season. I tweeted <laughs> yeah. that also. I, I never once but, thought all season someone else was going to get the award. But like Luca Garza, and he just got passed up by the Abmis kid from Oral Roberts. But he led the through conference play, led the NCAA in scoring. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. Not you don't get a power five kid yeah. that leads the NCAA in scoring. That really you happens. get a kid from Weber State or a kid from Evansville or whatever school. From Oral Roberts, leads the, yeah. From, yeah, from Oral, Oral Roberts, Roberts, right? Like, yeah. that's what happens. That That's very impressive to do it in the Big Ten, especially the way the Big Ten played out this year. Yeah. And then speaking of accomplishments and records, Paige Becker's on the women's side, only freshman to ever win AP Player of the Year, obviously in her freshman year. And to do something that no other UConn player has done means you're special. Because at this point, like, yeah. you, like that UConn players break records. So Donna Tarazi already calling her the best player in, in basketball or in college basketball. And, you know, so the women play their final four tonight, their national championship on Sunday. Um, but college college basketball, two, you know, one last final weekend of college basketball is going to be a good one, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait for tomorrow, especially. I actually will tune into that UConn game a little bit tonight, though. I like watching Paige Becker's play, man. Both of them. Both She's, of them. I got to see the they gotta lose for the karma. They got to lose for the karma of winning on a blown call against Baylor. That was a foul, by the way. 100% that was a foul. Was a foul. No, no. I don't know if she knocks two down, though. I mean, you still got to make the free throws. You still got to make the free throws. You got to go Kyle maybe there's overtime. make the free throws, send it to overtime. But Yeah, maybe there's overtime. You'll know what happens. Man, but look. It was a blown call. It definitely was a blown call. It's it tough to say it's UConn, but, you know, I got to call a spade a spade. Yes, sir. All right, you guys want to move into the countdown? Let's do it. Yes, sir. Let's go with number five. The number of Nets to have a 50-plus point game in their career. They're the first team in NBA history to have five players to accomplish that feat. Tell me again, Matt, how this isn't the most stacked deck of all time. On paper, like stat, stuff like that is on paper. On paper, they're, they're the most stacked. There might well, be Marcus Aldridge all and Blake Griffin were cut. They they weren't they weren't they, bought, they got their contracts they were, bought out. They reached an agreement. Difference. That's an no, that, that's a, that's a mutual the, parting the, of ways. The Spurs are contending for the playoffs, and they told Lamarcus, it's, "We don't want you anymore. We're trying to make the Lamarcus playoffs." Lamarcus also told anymore. the Spurs, "I don't want to be here anymore." That's what a buyout. It's a mutual parting of ways. They ain't get cut. You know. Yeah, you think like Drummond's just got cut? He he couldn't be on our roster. Yeah, no, they ain't get cut. It's different. They want to be there. It's a little different. All right, let's go to number four. The number of 11 seeds to make the Final Four of the century, that's George Mason, VCU, Loyola, Chicago, and UCLA. None of them have ever won a game. VCU and Loyola, I remember, they came pretty close, but uh, George Mason got blown out. No, and that's no 11 seed ever. I think there's yeah. been one other. There is LSU uh, yeah, made LSU it LSU made in it the, in 80s. the 80s, yeah. Yeah, they didn't win either. So uh, it's looking bad against one of the best NCAA teams of all time. Right. Uh, they get note. a banner in their stadium for Final Four. So actually, no, I heard yeah, they don't hang cool. banners not at UCLA. I don't think they. Oh hang, yeah, they got too many chips. Yeah, they yeah. don't hang final oh, four true. banners at UCLA anymore. You don't even get like a number on the final four thing, like high schools have. Yeah, uh, we just I put the know. year number. I don't know. Final, after winning like ten straight national chips, like a final four <laughs> appearance don't mean much anymore. We got to win the whole thing. That's true. Um, actually, side note, we were talking about this last night with my friends. Where does this Gonzaga team stack up on best college teams of all time? They were comparing them to the 2012 Anthony Davis team. That that yeah, we were thinking dominance. The 09 UNC team too is up there. We were literally the teams that we were putting up were those two, and we talked about the 18 Nova team. 
um, which I don't agree, but we had a Nova fan there that, that couldn't. That is, so the 18 Nova team isn't the most dominant team of all time, but that's the best tournament run I've ever seen. That yeah. like they they barely broke a sweat that entire tournament. They were down. They just ran the highlights back of the national championship, like down in the national championship game to start the, the game Vincenzo from Michigan game. and end up winning by like 20, 30 points. Also, the college Vincenzo basketball game. was better not to be like, oh, it was better in the old days, but it was better in the old days in the sense that you had great players playing three years. So yeah. like like the UNC had Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins, and James Worthy, all of the the second greatest player of all time, a Hall of Famer in James Worthy, and then like a multi-time all-star in Sam Perkins. And like they they barely won the chip. So yeah, like Houston, Ewing, Houston, Patrick Ewing. Uh, Houston uh, had Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler. They couldn't win a chip. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. But we did mention those four teams from this century. And those are the exact four teams that we talked about last night. So I want to know who's the best out of those four. Out of the UNC, Zaga, Kentucky, and Nova. I'd say UNC. I'd say Nova. I, I think actually Gonzaga is the best. That UNC team is tough for me though because I was on with Ty Lawson, Hansborough, Wayne Ellington, right? Danny Green. Danny Green. Yeah, that team was different. A lot of NBA talent. I think there's more NBA talent on on the Nova and the UNC teams retrospectively than are, can you I think imagine, there's going to be on this Gonzaga team. I see. Can you imagine Pittsburgh if Roy Williams recruited Steph Curry and that on that team? That that would have they would have never lost a game by they would have won every game by twenty if Roy yeah, I mean, yeah, but Steph doesn't Steph. average twenty six on that team. He doesn't get the volume that he. There's a reason Steph he went no, to but Davidson. He's still Steph. There's a reason he went to Davidson though. That would never happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's no way he could have went to UNC. He's still Steph. Oh man, don't sleep on my don't sleep on my cats now. This is a team who didn't lose a, a, or didn't win a tournament game by less than eleven in their championship run. Come on now, this is a dominant team. You will, you will skip the, the 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 dominance. Let's talk about you know four or five guards running at you at a time. It's all all five players NBA in the NBA right now. This is yeah. a, a absolutely dominant team. Thirty one from your sixth man coming off the bench. So, I mean, has Gonzaga lost the game by less than like fifteen? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. But I, I still I still think that's that. I, the the Nova team is really good though. For sure, hundred percent. All right, what number are we even on? I think we're going to number three. Yes, sir. Number three. The top four teams in the Bundesliga have each lost exactly three games. Who are the top three teams? Let me guess. Let me guess. Obviously, Dortmund and Bayern. No, Dortmund's fifth. Oh, I have no no idea then. I only know the top two. I I I looked at it right before. The top two are Bayern Munich and Rebel Leipzig. Um, And they're close between four points. What's interesting is uh, it's 14 points separating – Bayern Munich and the fourth place team just because the fourth place team is just a fuck ton of draws. They're like 12, 11, and three. So. That's crazy. I didn't even know Leipzig was in Bundesliga. That's news to me. <laughs> they sound German. Any team that sounds German is. It does sound German. Is. I thought they were just some random team from a random league in the Champions right. League. That's All right, let's go to number two. The number of teams that never had a 4,000 yard passer in the 16 game season era, now that we're moving to 17 games. That is the Jets and the Bears, although the Jets had a Namath through 4,000 yards in a 14-game season. The, Jet, they had, the Jets are the first ever 4,000-yard passer and haven't had any since, which is kind of funny. That's crazy. I didn't even think about it like that. In the 16-game era, there's a whole new column of the, of the, the record book that just got added now because of that 17th game. That's crazy. 
that's crazy to, to think about. Not putting some perspective yeah. on that's that. official, right? Official yeah, next they, season. They 17. penned it a couple days ago. They penned it. Three preseason games. Huh? That'll be uh, more injuries. <laughs> some people are arguing right. they should do 17 games, but a li- the limit a player can play is 16 games. Yeah, that'd yeah, be I fun. That. That'd be that's so fun. Stupid. That's weird. I like bro. It. That's so no, weird. That's fun. Then you got to play. Fun. Then you got to play roulette with which game you sit your starting quarterback. No, yeah, it's like that it's yeah. Adds, I like it. It's like no. baseball. You got to sometimes you got to throw out Joe Blanton. <laughs> they have 162 games. I know. Talking 17. <laughs> like we're not talking 20 something games. Nah, more dude, roster spots. That would be fun. Yeah, but how do you even do that? You're just like you because you can't sit your whole team one game because you don't have enough players to play after that. <laughs> you got to cycle. <laughs> I like I like the idea. It makes it fun, dude. We've seen teams that have like two active defensive yeah, linemen right. left or corners yeah, left by the much, end of the year. You're you're bringing up. Other teams practice people to, to play. No, but more yeah. people will get hurt in a 17-game season, so you have to limit it to 16 for Now you're players. even putting more people on the field. You're pulling up practice squad guys that you trying to tackle Derrick I mean, Henry. You, there's going to be – if we do this, there's a whole lot of stories on, on NFL Fox talking about this guy was a substitute teacher two weeks ago, got called up by yeah. the Giants. Like, <laughs> there's going to be, like, the greatest 30 for 30 in, like, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, come on, man. Like, replacement players. It's like Joe Schmo threw for four touchdowns yesterday. Like, come on, man. <laughs> To first name, last name. He had three. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, let's go to number one. The number of runs disallowed on Cody Bellinger's home run. For those who didn't see it, Cody Bellinger homered. That's nothing new. But Justin Turner thought it was caught. It went The home run run to get robbed. It missed. Justin Turner thought it got caught, so ran back to first to tag up. Cody Bellinger passed him on the base paths, which means Bellinger is out. So there's only one run instead of two. It's like one of the most rare things I've actually never seen. It's the Ridiculous. first time I've ever seen it. Um, I've seen like baseball. a guy rounding third and the dude that was rounding second has beat him home. I've, I've seen that. I've like seen once. that. I've seen someone fall. Like I've seen someone go to tag up and someone's right behind them. But then when they start, they fall and the person runs by them. I've there seen that. But I've never seen gra- someone. There's a run. walk-off grand slam in a playoff game and they all mobbed the player at second base. So only one person scored. So, and it like fucked over the over-under in the game. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. so like it would have been seven to three was, but it was four to three because only one person crossed the plate. I mean, how about this? You don't even have to throw a pitch anymore to intentionally walk someone. Nah, Why do I even have to run the bases before. if I throw? If I have a home I run, mean, yeah, if it's thing, a home bro. run, it should be auto. Home run should be auto. It would just be so baller to hit a home run and then walk off and, and walk back to the <laughs> no, dugout. No, there's you got to do the bases. There's something you can express yourself running. It's like a little celebration time. Like I'm nah, you're right. Now you can express yourself, but for the intentional walks, like I think it's smart. Because people were complaining about baseball being so boring for so long. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and watch you throw four, like, balls to the other side of the plate. Maybe one. Like in the video games? When they first changed it, it was just one. Now it's not. In the the video games, when you press the intentionally walk button, they'll throw one pitch. And then they'll count as four. The only thing that was cool about it is you had people like Pedroia who'd reach out to the opposite, literally the opposite batter's box and slap one in the right. But I remember A-Rod did that once. Yeah, it, but the best is like when the catcher drops one sometimes, and someone gets an extra base from second to third. Like that matters. You're, it you're, happens. I mean, you're you're hoping for literally one in a hundred thousand attempts. Yeah, but well, it's not the catcher; it's more like the pitcher. They don't practice or intentionally walking. No, it's hard for them. Back. If you watch a pitcher do it, they hate it. Yeah. Like it's hard for them to do yeah. it. They're used to just throwing as hard as they can, not trying to throw it forty miles an hour. And you still got to put it in a spot the catcher can catch it. They can't exactly. just like throw yeah. it wild. So yeah. no, they they've definitely there's pitchers who like have the yips from that. That's funny, but 
We're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can always get some shots about the buzzer before it's over. Who wants to go first? Who's got a shot at the buzzer? I'll go first. What the hell is going on with people mocking Justin Fields way too low? Yeah. Like, what's going mocked, on, man? Bro, Todd McShay what? mocked him at 11? 11 below trade Lance? Yeah. And you hear reports about he's not a guy who really wants it. And like I watched, I watched my Clemson guy spear him in the back with a helmet, and then he threw six touchdowns on her yeah, ass. I saw him shred up your Clemson team. And like, he has an incredible arm. He's so fucking good. Dude. I'm so. I, we played him play, twice in the playoff. I was scared the whole time, both games, and. The fact that this whole, oh, Ohio State doesn't produce good quarterbacks, it's the dumbest argument. It's like, who's the last Texas Tech quarterback before Mahomes? Right, who's right. the last Eagle quarterback before Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Exactly, who's the last exactly. Who's quarterback before us? Per, it's like a who's the Purdue quarterback standard. before Drew Brees? Right? Yeah, it's, it's like, what are we talking about? Yeah, like at some he point. He is the, he's, I, there's, I, I understand, I don't, I disagree, but like some people put Wilson ahead of him and stuff. But Trey Lance, we're down to Trey Lance is better I mean, than him. Look, Guys, look, what, what are we doing? Get the benefit of cachet, and uh, uh, the last North Dakota State quarterback to you know win FCS national championships was an MVP candidate for one year. Like pe- people do pay attention to that. I think that's why Trey Lance is shooting up so high because they may produce good quarterbacks. Like we we've seen them if it's not for injury produce an MVP. So Trey Lance may be the next one up. But I completely agree. I saw mean, I saw yeah, Justin Fields going at. 10 and 11 too and i i don't get it my friend is a jets fan and he wants nothing to do with justin fields he says if we don't take zach wilson i don't even want fields and i don't get it i don't get it i was like i'll take fields over wilson we got a big argument about it but and he made that ohio state comment and he said that the throw that wilson make fields couldn't make it and And then the next day fields made the same throw and then he's trying to say oh no the wilson one was way harder and I was like, yeah, maybe a little bit, but he also threw it 20 yards shorter. I mean, like, I don't I don't understand it at all. And if we're talking about the Ohio State argument, Joe Burrow went to Ohio State for like two years. And I know he wasn't him until LSU, but yeah, yeah. you don't Joe, just come. That's okay. I'm Joe sorry, Burrow. I'm sorry. Who's the last great BYU quarterback to be shredding things in the NFL? I'm sorry. Jim like, McMahon. What? Jim McMahon. Ty Detmer. Yeah, Corey Detmer. Come on, Detmer, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, Joe Burrow's going to be a bust because Lamar, Jamarcus Russell sucked. It's like, that's a ridiculous, he's dumb. You never heard that. Ah, Justin needs his respect. You're right. You're right. I completely agree. Kyle, you got a shot at the buzzer? I really don't. I just want to say, get well, Jake, man. Yeah, you mentioned at the start of this show, he's coming off, I mean, back-to-back injuries. We're a sports podcast. I'll say it that way. He's going back-to-back. I hope everything's good. And I hope he's here next week. Yeah, me, me too, man. I, I echo that. Back to sure. back, back to back injuries. Not, not career ending. Hopefully, not season ending. But, but like both completely different. Yeah, it's yeah, not like he's time. like this one. Like you got health problems that could last for like you know a month. Mm. This man's getting the worst draw. He's got he got the worst cars. He got a two seven offsuit in poker. Like, <laughs> off rip. Is, off rip. Yeah. yeah. Prayers up to everyone listening. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, to say a little prayer for the man, just a little well wishes because definitely going through it. Um, well, my shot at the buzzer. You see this board behind me. Baseball is back. And I got to shout out my Phillies winning uh, winning their opening day game against the Braves in dramatic fashion in the bottom of the 10th inning as as we would. But it gives me a, a little flashbacks because the last two seasons we've started off, you know, this this opening weekend with these dramatic wins against the Braves. And 
by the all-star break, it's all gone to hell. So I have, I have expectations for this Phillies team and that first opening day win against one of the best teams in baseball in the Braves. No, no doubt about it is, is proof that I should be high on them, but I, I just get, I get flashbacks. I get, I get turmoil. The end all of a sudden going yeah. to the NL East is one of the best divisions in baseball, if not the best division in baseball. Like, but I still expect this team to compete. The over under was 85 wins coming into the season. Like, that's that's kind of high, but I expect us like I that's kind of the number that I'm shooting for. That'll get that'll make us competitive. I'm shooting for the playoffs, baby. I think 85 puts you in that first wild card, you know, definitely, with the new wild card. Yeah, system, with the new wild card you're system, up there. It definitely gives you a wild card thing. spot. I mean, I don't yeah. think 85 gets you the division crown. I think 100 yeah. games gets you the division crown, and 95 yeah. might get you second. Right. Yep, the Mets and the Braves probably. Yep. So, yeah, uh, and then don't, I mean, still the Nationals still with that championship pedigree. I don't know. It, man, and the Marlins were like second last year, <laughs> dude, weren't they? <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. But that's all the time we got for this episode of Straight Facts. One more time. Prayers up to my guy, Jake Allen. Make it seem like, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's gone. But, you know what I mean? Just well wishes to him. Not prayers up. Well wishes to him. For my guys, Kyle Sarah, that Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight Get up. up. I beat him too. <laughs> I had to do one. <laughs>